Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. You look like what you worship. You know that? And we're going to talk today about hosting the presence of God. But I want you to think about this. Let this be in your mind. Just We look like what we worship. Worship sports teams? You look like them. You worship hunting and fishing? Guess what? You're wearing camo, growing a beard. Not that everybody that wears camo is worshiping. I'm just saying, it's just, this can happen. Don't get insecure about your camo. You need to be hidden in the shadows when you're hunting. I get it. But we look like what we worship. Man, I want to look like Jesus. I want to look like Him. Lord, will you just make me look like you, God? I want just my eyes just only focused on you. Can you pray this with me? Jesus, put my eyes just on you, God. That you will be my one God. Just one thing. And you're above everything in my life. Put my focus on you, Jesus. I worship you and you alone. In this house, we worship you and you alone. Jesus, your name is high and lifted up. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of glory. You are the Lord of lords. And you are God of this house and God of our life. Holy Spirit, come. Rest on us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hmm. Anybody feeling the presence of God in here? I'm telling you, man, that's sweet. Just sit around and just do this all day. <laughs> so good. Yep, we're going to take an offering instead. <laughs> God loves sacrifice. Sacrifice. All right. We're going to, we're going to, I don't even know how we transition to this next video. It's presence of God is going to overcome our little dorky video. Um, it's so good. We'll get right back into it. We have Big Frank and Little Jerry. You guys love them, right? Well, hello again, Abaloop. Big Frank here and Little Jerry. We want to welcome you back and give you another building update and get you caught up on all the stuff that's happened here this past month. But first, before we do that, I want to introduce you to one of our incredible building guys that's been working and slaving away and helping us, Joshua Samuel Jr. Give away up there, Joshua. He's been working real hard, Jerry. Why don't you tell the, the audience what's been going on with Joshua up there, what's he been doing? So we've been starting to take some of this old infrastructure down. Safety first, in the auditorium, we've got big messes happening, which means a lot of progress has started. Tear it down, build it up. That's me driving the Bobcat, if you're wondering. I know how to drive one. I broke a couple things, but do see some awesome, hardworking folks. It's less work to drive a Bobcat than lift things. I figured that out. Those are the trusses that are going to go in. They go in between every existing truss so that it can't ever So that's what's happened this month. Tune in next month for another episode of The Little Jerry 
And Big Frank. <laughs> Big Frank. Big Frank the Welder. Hey Frank, can you get that light for me, please? Sure. He's so cute, that Frank. Everybody loves Frank. What a man of God. Love that guy. All right. Um, so just quick update. We're still, uh, about, well, everybody? Yeah. Okay. Woo. Excited about everything. Okay. $344,668 left to go. That's where we're at. So we're just pledging. Giving, sowing, believing. That's what we're doing. Don't stop believing. Sowing to the building. Right? Okay. Just turn anything into a song. So we're going to sow it in. And, 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 we, and we were just like, hey, if, if over 300 people can give $200 a month, we're like really close. So just get that in your mind. Just pray about it. If God wants to give you, uh, put it on your heart to sow consistently, faithfully, to the building project every month between now and when the phase one is looking to be completed. If you just keep giving faithful and we all do that, we're gonna close the gap on this thing, amen? But if you got $100,000 or $200,000 or $344,668 you wanna just put in there, we'll just start working on phase two. Sorry. I'm working for our sound guy. I, I do this with a microphone. I'm supposed to keep it down so you guys can hold me accountable. See, Mike, I'm making his job so hard out there, back there, he's a good guy. All right, so we're gonna pray over this offering, ushers, you can come, and so we're just gonna put all the, all the money into one basket today, so if you wanna designate uh, the build, to the building fund, you, we're just gonna pass the baskets and you can give there, or if you just, if it's kinda going by too fast, pull out one of the envelopes, you can give as you're walking out in the boxes, we have kind of uh, mobile stations you can throw money in. Also, you can give, um, via text and, um, or online, all right? We're ready to do this. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're thanking you for everything you have done and what you are doing. And we believe this building is a city on a hill. It's just a, it's a structure that you have placed here for us to worship in and to worship you in. And we believe that you have caused this church and placed this church to be a light, a beacon for generations to come. And we're believing that God through our sacrifice and our work and our efforts, God, every person in the state of Alaska will get an opportunity to hear your name and to choose you in this generation and the next. And we believe this building is a resource for that. So we're sowing, we're giving in faith, and we're trusting you, God, that you own a cattle on a thousand hill. You are the one who can make it all happen. So we just pray that you take our offerings, and God, you'd bless them, and you'd give in return back to us like you promised pressed down, shaken together, running over. The more liberal we give, the more liberally you give back. So we thank you for your provision as we sow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Well, our youth uh, camp just happened this last week, and it was awesome. So that's where I got this burly tan. Wasn't from the tanning booth. It was out in uh, the... Uh, out in the sun, it was smoking hot out there, man. It was great. So we were working and serving kids. We had over 60 kids out at the youth camp. And, I mean, we had a pile of them get saved. Uh, it's kind of hard to know how many first-time conversions when you're talking with kids. We're thinking it was somewhere between 15 
or so kids, first time commitments to Jesus, whole bunch more. I mean, the whole camp, pretty much everybody was going down and just were serving Jesus. Your son got, grandson got saved and he got baptized at the camp? Oh, he's going to get baptized here at the church later. Awesome. Uh, I know my son got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, you get excited about that. And piles of kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. I mean, they are passionately worshiping God and just going after him. God pours out his spirit no matter what age, if you seek him, right? He loves us. He, in fact, he wants us to seek like with the heart of a child, doesn't he? Yeah, so it was beautiful. It was really awesome. I just want to honor all the youth workers and everybody working in the kitchen and serving and our youth pastors, Reed and Mariah. They just, just serving like crazy. Our whole staff went out to serve and um, it's really fun. So God bless you. Thanks for sowing in the lives of kids. Our, our staff, do you know this? Like our work staff pays to go serve at camp. That's how committed they are to seeing lives change. So um, that, 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 that's the way we want our lives to look, right? And God shows up and he rewards when we make sacrifices like that. So our teen camp starts next week. And so we kind of have, we have a one week of like breathing room here and we kick it off on Saturday. So I'm going to slip into my camp coma tomorrow. I got back from camp at 10 o'clock last night. It's drug out. So anyway, so good. But uh, next week, is, we have over 100 kids, I think, signed up already for the team camp, and it, that's more than we've ever had signed up right now, and so it's going to be packed out, and uh, we know there's a lot of kids that don't know Jesus that are coming, so we're praying for their salvation. We see kids at camp every year get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, build relationships, get knit in the church. Every year. I mean, that's like super fun. So, yep, it's like like a Holy Ghost drug being out watching kids get transformed because they have their whole life in front of them to serve the Lord and it's so fun. It's awesome. So be praying for that. Send your kids. Pick up a neighbor kid. Sign them up. Send them out there. You'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's going to have fun. Trust me. we got a lot of fun stuff planned. Today, uh, tonight is 101. If you're new to our church, we invite you out to that. Get connected. You can fill out one of the connection cards. Or just show up. Um, it's at 6 o'clock tonight in our chapel. want to see... Um, People just get connected and grow in Christ, and that's one of the kind of starting places for that. Okay, hosting is presence. Oh, such a fun thing to think about. And, and today, it's just, even preaching about this in the first service, I just feel just the Holy Spirit is showing up because he wants to show up in our lives. And without his presence, what, who are we? You know, what are we? If we don't have the presence of God, you know, um, the Old Testament this is this amazing space where we look into what the Lord had done and the foundation he laid. And it, you think about the Old Testament like the wood in the fire, all the logs piled up, ready to go. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all the requirements of the law so that he could send the Holy Spirit to light that thing up and set it ablaze and so it doesn't say he abolished the law I say you know he fulfilled it and brought purpose to it right and so you think about the foundation of of who God is and everything but then when but when the Holy Spirit came it it like creates this bonfire this rager that can happen in your life see when you get saved you get this little flame that happens lights up in your heart 
But God wants you to seek after the kingdom of heaven. He says, if you seek for me, you're going to find me. And Bill Johnson says this, is that God doesn't hide things from his kids. He hides things for his kids. So we're children of God, and the kingdom of God is waiting for us to be pursued. It's there. The opportunity's there. You give your heart to Jesus, that flame is like, it's like burning. It's ready to go. And, but it's like that pilot light in your oven. When you begin to pursue the Holy Spirit, you begin to understand the responsibility that you have to host the presence of God. The opportunity to host the presence of God. It's like turning that thing up. You know when you turn on your oven and all of a sudden you hear it, it's like the gas goes, and then when it connects with that little pilot light, and it's burning, now you can cook something. So this is all these discrepancies about, well, when I gave my heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in there. Yes, and he's God. He's not a, just a thing in it that we go, oh, and it, Holy Spirit thing that says in the Bible, and it did these things. No, Holy Spirit is God, equal part of God. And Jesus said, it's better that I go so you can experience him. To the fullest, so he can light that flame. He says, you're going to be baptized with fire. John baptized with water. Jesus came to set the Holy Ghost loose in your life, to baptize you with fire, to light you up, set you ablaze. Bill Johnson, his book, Hosting the Presence, so that's the title of my message today, is Hosting the Presence of God. I recommend you buy this book if you want to grow and cultivating the Holy Spirit in your life. I honestly don't know of anyone on the planet that probably teaches or understands how to cultivate the presence of God more than Bill Johnson. That's just, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying there isn't anybody, but I really respect what he teaches, and, and it's been a huge blessing to my life and the body of Christ. So I encourage you to get stuff that he writes, hosting the presence of God. And that's one of the reasons I wanted that to be the title, is the, you buy the book. Okay. He should give me a royalty for that, okay. If you're watching, Bill, you're probably not watching, but. There's no greater privilege than being a host to God himself. It's no greater privilege to, than being a host to God himself. Neither is there a greater responsibility. Everything about him is extreme. He's overwhelmingly good, awe-inspiring to the max, and frighteningly wonderful in every possible way. He is powerful yet gentle, both aggressive and subtle, and perfect while embracing us in the midst of our imperfections. Yet few are aware of the assignment to host him. Fewer yet have said yes. You know that you are destined to host the presence of God. You're marked to host the presence of God. And it is a great responsibility. And we need to take this sober-mindedly. God, you gave us this ability. In fact, all the people in the Old Testament, the prophets, they longed to experience what we experience. Yes, we have access to every day. Jesus comes lays the perfect sacrifice for us, 
and he tears the veil, and into the Holy of Holies we go by his grace, not our power. And we're in there. But then what? Then what? See, Moses, Moses understood some things. And so like we look in the Old Testament, and there's these kind of sneak peeks in the Old Testament, right? These sneak peek previews of what it was going to be like in the new. And there's a few people that experienced different aspects or dynamics of the new covenant life like Moses. And and he understood the power of the glory of God. And he knew that without the presence of God, they actually were not set aside. The presence of God is what distinguishes his people from everything else. Look at this in Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone acquiring of the Lord would go into the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar, the cloud, standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped. Look what they did. The the presence of God is coming, and they begin to worship, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Jesus would, uh, or Moses, whoever, Moses would return to the camp. I just love Jesus so much, I can't just help but wear him in. Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of nobody, or none, I mean, did not leave the tent. None is apparently a person. Okay. Moses said to the Lord, he just rested in the presence. Think about it, he felt the presence, he just sat in the presence. I don't want to leave, it's just too good. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is New Covenant stuff right here. I will give you rest. Hebrews says that right there when you enter into his promise. Promised land in your heart is the Holy Spirit giving you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone, look at this, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us. What else distinguishes me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? But the presence of God. Think about this. The thing that makes you different is God's presence in your life. It's the fact that he chose you to host his presence. You signed up. You got to sign up. Say, Jesus, I do want you. And now you're a carrier of his presence begins to rest on you. But look what Moses says here. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you ask because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses said, now show me your glory. Yeah. 
Now show me your glory. He goes, now let's do it. You say you're going to do it. Okay, now show me your glory. I just wonder what happened in that moment right there. You know, when you ask God, because you understand that nothing, church services don't separate you from the people. You haven't just the Bible and reading the Bible and knowing the Bible. There are atheists that know the Bible up and down. That is not what separates them from the world. That's not what makes them special, is knowing about the Lord and things about him. It is the presence of God that marks you. It's what sets you aside. It's his glory moving through your life. That is the thing that makes you special. Him, your God, your friend, wants to meet with you face to face like he did with Moses. He did everything needed and necessary for you to be able to do that. Young and old. We got kids out at our youth camp understanding like going, oh my gosh, I can have the presence of God. They're like nine, eight, just pursuing the Holy Spirit and God's moving on them and they're feeling his presence. I was asking all kinds of kids, do you, you feel the presence of God? And they're like, that was awesome. Like, the Holy Spirit touched me and they're crying, they're getting ministered to. It was so, so cool. But we have to understand that the presence of God is what separates us from everything else. And we have to desire it. We have to go after it. See, David was like this. He was another sneak peek. You know what's so cool about the sneak peeks that God gives us? Is you, you ever see a, in the kingdom, it's just different than like, you know, when you go to a movie and you see a movie and see the trailer for the movie, you're like, that's going to be awesome. Or that's going to be so funny. But then when you actually go see the movie, you're like, oh, all the funny parts were in the trailer. <laughs> and the movie's actually kind of disappointing. So like the trailer was like actually cooler than the real thing. Never in the kingdom of God. Never in the kingdom of God. When he gives you a sneak peek, it just gets better and better. You're like, this is way better than I ever imagined. You like go away to spend time with the Lord in silent solitude and prayer and worship. And then you go, I tell you, listen, it's going to be awesome. But then when you go do it, it's way better. My little sneak peek is not nearly what it is when you experience his presence for real. And the sneak peek of the Old Testament is not anything like what the apostles and disciples and everybody in the early church got to experience, which is compounded interest growing into what we get to experience. It's just growing. The more we understand and know, it's greater. It just keeps growing and building until the whole earth, the whole world is going to be subdued by the presence and the power of God. Guess what? We win. Did you know that? The church wins. In fact, the church has won. But it's our assignment to host the presence of God and say, God, I don't want to go anywhere without your glory, without your presence, because it's what sets me aside. That's what actually makes me a light. Your assignment is to be the light in the dark. But you and I have to cultivate that presence. We can't let our light just stay a little pilot light in our oven. we got to crank it up. And that's not just with religious activity. It's with the tangible, genuine presence of God. 
Religious activity without the presence of God is dead. It's actually worse. It's more confusing because you think, I should see the presence of God there, and then it's not there. And in some ways, that might even be more damaging. Host his presence. So David, he's this sneak peek. He's this trailer to a thing that got so much more awesome that we get to experience. But David, see, Saul, he, David was, you know, was the king after Saul. And Saul was this big, tall, powerful guy who had charisma. And, and when you're in a crowd, you look at him, you go like, that dude should be the king. Right? That's what the Bible says about him. And there's everything about him that was kingly, right? And, he, and, and God's anointing was on him. But Saul did not value the presence of God. And this was his downfall. And a lot of different scenarios happen, but this one in particular happens where he's just too anxious. He doesn't want to do the sacrifices the way they're supposed to be done at the right time. He doesn't wait for the prophet to show up, and he kind of just like shoots from the hip and does them like, hey, because you know what he wanted? Is he wanted his own thing. He wanted his own service. He wanted the, the natural thing they were going to do. They're going to have this big plunder party, and he wanted to get to that. Which is where everybody's going to go, Saul, you're the best. Saul, you're the greatest. We love you. Okay, right? He loved his presence more than God's presence. And that day, there was a shift that happened. The prophet comes and he goes, Lord's kind of done with you, buddy. And from that point, the presence of God lifted off of him and rested on David. And Saul's life just began to spiral out of control but it started with him not valuing the presence of God. But unlike him, David didn't look like he should be the king. And when Samuel goes to pick out, the prophet goes to pick out the king, the next king, God says, hey, go to this family, the family of Jesse. And one of the sons is going to be him. Jesse and the rest of the family doesn't think David's even good enough to be picked out. So they just leave him out in the field. He's just the runt. We're leaving him out there. There's no way they're picking him to be the king. And Sam was like, where is it? He's not here. Do you have any more sons? Yeah, we got a runt out there. I guess we could pull him in here. I don't know. You're never going to pick that guy. So they bring him in. He's like, boom, that's the dude. They oil him up. Boop, 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 boop. Boom, he's a king. <laughs> don't you wish you could see the Bible the way I see it in my mind? It's like a movie in there. It's so funny. You're like, whoa. All right. And God's like going, it's not like that at all. You're like, goober. Okay. <laughs> He loves me. He loves me. <clears throat> so Jesse, he just goes, he gets anointed. But the, but the Bible says this about David. It's like, what was in his heart? He goes, I don't look what's on the outside. I look at what's on the inside. There's that little runt up there just worshiping God with his harp and singing him. And he mastered it. His power of his praise and worship was so powerful, he learned to cultivate the presence of God. He was a glimpse into the New Testament. How did he cultivate the presence of God outside the tabernacle? The tabernacle was like a located space. It was like the place where the presence would fall. Miracle, it fell down in this tent of meeting thing. But it was supposed to fall in the tabernacle or the temple where all the sacrifices were provided at the right time, and then boom, the presence would fall in the Holy of Holies, and one guy gets to go in. See, it reminds me of like, remember when you guys, I don't know how you guys are young enough, or old enough to be young enough to have had corded phones? You know, the little short curly Q phones? I remember when they were just little short ones, you know, and you're like, what? and the thing would fall off the table, and 
you'd be leaning by the, like, oh, your arm's falling asleep. And you know how sweaty they would get, you know? You'd be like, switch them and dry them off, you know? And, and then somewhere in the mid-'80s, they made this giant upgrade to, like, the long, super curly Q cords. And those, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can go sit down in my couch. Or you're, like, sneaking in the bathroom. That was the first time, like, bathroom communications became available, you know? <laughs> now you guys and all your sneaky cell phone tricks you do nowadays. It's gross. All right. But you know that the phones, like, they get all curlied up and messed up and tangled up. How awesome, the long cord. But that's like the old tabernacle days. Where it's like, they're just tethered. The presence of God was just tethered to that space. It was locked in. A couple little extensions, the tent of meeting, and these other kind of special places where the Holy Spirit moved. But now, in the New Testament, we're like the mobile phone. We get the mobile device. We, we are the mobile device. No more cord. He's like, I'm, I'm cutting the cord. You're going mobile. You go anywhere you want. You know you can communicate virtually anywhere on the planet with a satellite phone. In fact, some of the most difficult places, you go up on the top of Mount Everest, probably get better satellite reception from there. Is that crazy to think about? But that's the presence of God. Now, in the new covenant, what's been purchased for us is that we get to host his presence everywhere. In fact, it's our, it's our commission to host his presence. See, Jesus, in Matthew 28, tells the disciples, he's like, listen, all authority is now mine. I have it all. I went and took it. You lost it in the fall, and the devil had it for a while, but then I went and took it from him, and guess what? I got the keys to the Ferrari. And that's what he says to him. He's all like, I got your keys. And he dangles it in front of all his disciples. He's like, and I'm pretty sure he said it like that too. <laughs> I want him to say it that way. In heaven, maybe just do it for me once, Lord. Okay. <laughs> I got your keys. And he just, he goes, drive the Ferrari. It's going to be awesome anywhere you go. <laughs> just fire that baby up. But you, you have to take the keys. He has all the authority, and he says, I give it to you. Go drive the car. Host my presence. Take, take the power that I've given you. Host it. Cultivate it. David, he was a worshiper. One of the ways that we cultivate the presence of God in our life is through worship, praise and worship. You know, the Bible shows us over and over that God inhabits the praises of his people. We enter to his courts with thanksgiving and praise on our lips. And, and all of the offerings, actually, even in the Old Covenant, when we look through the tabernacle and stuff, were offerings of sacrifice. And so speaking to offer up a, a, a worship and sacrifice to him, just out of love and adoration for him, that's worship. Taking our mind, soul, spirit, body, everything, and saying, God, I'm giving it to you. We see in 2 Samuel 6, 12, see, uh, David found out that the Ark of the Covenant was at this guy's name, Obed-Edom. Name your kid that. He'll, be, he'll fit in everywhere he goes. Obed-Edom. And he's getting blessed. This guy's prospering like crazy. David, David valued the presence of God, and he figured out, oh, the Ark of the Covenant, we need that. That's where the presence of God is. So he goes up there, and he goes and gets it, but he kind of like shoots from the hip, and he's bringing the thing in, and he's so passionate about it, and he makes a couple mistakes. A friend of his gets killed, 
He goes, put that thing back at Obed-Edom's house. <clears throat> he goes and studies the law, figures out what he's supposed to do, and then he brings in the Ark of the Covenant the way God designed it to come in. And he offers sacrifice and praise the way the Lord wanted. So we find it here in 2 Samuel 6, 12. Now, the king, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the Ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So he's rejoicing over the presence of God. He loves it so much. He just valued the presence of God so much. He's rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he stopped and sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord. I got six of those, multicolors. They're awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you where you can order them on Amazon. <laughs> so weird. Okay. He danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. See all the things they're doing? Dancing, shouting, rejoicing, ephod wearing. And the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michael the daughter of Saul. Who was Saul? The last king. Did Saul value the presence of God? No. Doesn't look like his daughter does either. Either Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. But what did she really despise? The presence. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And then he gives them basically cinnamon rolls. Okay, verse 20. It's serious. He gave them loaves of bread, cake, dates, and raisins. That sounds like a cinnamon roll to me. Okay. When David returned home to bless his household, he goes back. He blesses the nation. He brings the presence of God right into the nation. And then he goes to his household. He's all excited. I'm going to bless my household. Michael, the daughter of Saul, comes to meet him. And he says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of all his slave girls and servants. <laughs> Reminds me of Danny DeVito. Movie. Okay. And any vulgar fellow would. Okay. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's, Lord's people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of will be held in honor. He valued the presence of God. And he goes, listen, your dad didn't value the presence of God. Apparently you don't. And that's why he picked me over him. That's it. Not because I was smart or awesome or cool or strong or handsome or tall enough or knew how to be a king. He was a shepherd who played a harp. Those are not the qualifications to be a king. All right, then he moved into Saul's army and he worked and all that stuff. But the reason he got picked is because of what he, what he was picked before he did all that stuff serving in the army, right? He was picked as a shepherd. It was what it was in his heart and valuing the presence of God that distinguished him from everyone else what distinguishes you but look what happened with Michael and Michael daughter of Saul had no children until the day of her death Ooh. without the presence there's no fruit wow 
See, without the presence, there's no fruit. We're barren as believers. We need the presence. If you want to be fruitful in the Lord, you, you need the presence. We can't think about this like some theological, like, oh, some churches believe in the Holy Spirit, some churches don't. That is crazy. If your church doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, how are you even a church? How are you a Christian? Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. You can do nothing without him, but with him, you can do everything. Everything I want to fulfill in your life is going to come through the presence. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is what sets you aside from everyone. It distinguishes you as a believer. It's what makes you whole. It's what brings you strength. He is what brings you strength. He's not an it. He brings you strength. And are we willing to become undone because we so passionately desire the call, the assignment of the Lord. So we have an assignment before God. He's calling us to be a light into the dark world. He's calling us to press in. He's calling us to be world changers. And we do that through the presence of God. When we sacrifice and we worship, it's what, it's what causes the presence to grow and increase in our life. Have you ever heard the saying, wise men will travel? See, the wise men, they, they were, you know, studying all the prophecies and they knew everything that was going on during the time of when Jesus was born. And they saw all the signs. They're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. He's coming. And he's going to come to the earth. And they're looking around, they're going like, well, he's not coming right here where they were at. He's coming in Bethlehem. And it's going to happen like soon. And they had to make a decision. What are they going to do? Are they going to pack up all their stuff and travel to, over all the obstacles? We're talking camel rides now, right? There's no AC on a camel. I don't know if you've ever been on one. Been on a camel. They're gross. There's no funness about a camel ride. It was a, it was a hard trip, but it was worth it. And they went to the presence they went to go see the living God. Like that is so important to them. They understood they were wise. They understood the truth. The Messiah is coming. He's really gonna, he's gonna show up. We wanna be there. If you wanna be there, look, you've gotta go. If you wanna experience the presence of God, wise men travel. They go. But guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in you. So where do you go? You go to cultivate it. Like I, you have we spend time with him, but it's a sacrifice, just like David. Like, I'm willing to become undignified, to press in, to experience the presence of God in deeper and greater measures, and I'm willing to travel. I'm willing to do what it takes to seek the kingdom of God and find it. But you only get what you seek. See, God, remember God, he doesn't hide things from his children. He hides them for his children. He really wants your heart to be passionate about his presence, to love him. That's why he gives you a choice. You get to choose. Jesus, I'm gonna choose you because I wanna fall in love with you. I know you, I was made for you. I was made for your presence. I wanna press in. I wanna experience the fullness of your presence. But you and I 
have to, one, understand it's what we're made for. Two, we have to be willing to go after it. We have to be willing to make the travel to do what it takes and not be worried about all these other things, these obstacles. Sometimes we become afraid of becoming too fanatical. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> that person's weird. Yeah, I get it. There's some weird people. I've been weird from time to time. I kind of am weird. But I think about it. But you know, I don't want to be like so weird that people are, like are driven away. Or I'm about my presence and it's about my show and people noticing my presence rather than I'm just pursuing his presence. See, when we're all just pursuing his presence and that becomes our single focus, oh man, the collective outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is where revivals are born. This is where it happens, is in that, just seeking him. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to reach the fullness of what he made for, him, for me. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. David, he knew this, and in the, in the, in the heart of the psalm, Psalm 42, 7, says, deep cries on to deep. And his heart just pours out to the Lord. And there's this crying. He's like, I want to go deeper. There's deep places in my soul that I want to press in and experience your presence in. Bill Johnson says this. He says, this is the ultimate plan, is to experience his presence. We were designed to rule like God rules, in generosity, kindness, not self-serving, but always for the higher good of others. We are to rule over creation, over darkness, that we might plunder the powers of darkness and establish the rule of Jesus wherever we go by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Kingdom means king's domain. In the original purpose of God, humankind was to rule over creation, but then sin entered our, doma our domain, refining our task to which affects eternity because of sin, creation has been infected by darkness, disease, sickness, afflicting spirits, poverty, natural disasters, demonic influence, etc. While our rule is still over creation, it has become forced on exposing and undoing the works of the devil. That is the ministry of Jesus that we inherit in his commission. That is the intended fruit of the Christian life. If I have power, a power encounter with God, which we are required to pursue, then I am equipped to give it away to others. This is the ministry of Jesus. Use the power and authority of God to carry on the ministry of Jesus in the way that Jesus did it. Think about this. The essence of this is that I'm called to host his presence so that I can penetrate the darkness and I can take his power, his light, and cause the world around me to be changed. But if you don't cultivate his presence and drink it in, what do you have to give? What do you and I have that can change the world around us if we don't have the presence? There really is nothing. If we don't have the presence, we don't have power. And the Holy Spirit wants us to see him and pursue him with everything we have. And begin to understand how important it is and not make the Holy Spirit kind of a side thing we do. Say, oh yeah, we kind of, Holy Spirit kind of get you. Like, when you 
when you worship, you're, you're, we're like David. We're just, this is where, I mean, I don't want it to be a show. Like, are people noticing me worship in a certain way? No. What's in your heart? Press in to experience the presence of God, no matter what you're afraid of. Make him the highest goal and aim. His presence, the highest goal and aim. I want you to see this picture of Jesus. Like, Jesus had this dove, the Holy Spirit, in the form of, the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove, is what Jesus said. Comes and rests on him. And, man, that's what I want. I want to feel the presence of God rest on me and, be, and, and feel that all the time. So if a dove landed on you, how would you behave? Like, what would you do? If you didn't want it to fly away, what would you do? Walk very carefully. But that's, that's kind of a good answer, but think about this. Maybe you would pay attention to the dove all the time, every step. Don't go anywhere. You're awesome. I got this dove. It's just two fingers. Just imagine. Just imagine it's a dove. Think about that. Like, okay, you can never lose the Holy Spirit. He's always in you. But he's sensitive. So, so experiencing his presence and being focused on him all the time. How much would that change what you do in your life if your every focus and was just on the Holy Spirit and, oh, I want to fill you all the time. I just want to experience you all the time. You don't have to be a weirdo to do that. You can be a really normal, a very effective, powerful Christian and not just like all the time. It's weird business. Okay, now that happens. I mean, I've been touched by the Holy Spirit and I was undone many times. Okay, awesome experiences of the Lord. But you, I also can carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost and feel it and, and operate as an natural, but man, the wisdom of God begins to flow because the Holy Spirit is now the focus all the time. Hosting his presence, cultivating his presence. Let's get him as the focus. I'm just gonna worship a little bit. I just wanna give us a second just to worship, thinking about Holy Spirit rest on me. I know you live in me all the time, but I wanna fan a flame this experience and I wanna see you more than I see my normal circumstances. We don't want to be a normal, average church. Come on, do you want to be normal or average? Boo! Let's be supernatural. The power of His Holy Spirit. Fullness of eternal promise Serving in your sons and daughters Earth revealing heaven's wonders The Spirit come The Spirit come What you spoke is now unfolding And all your children shall behold it 
dreams awaken in this moment. A spirit come, a spirit come, I pour it out. Let your love run over here and now. Let your glory fill this house. Pour it out. Let your love run over here and now. Let your glory fill this house. Pour it out. Let your love run over here and now. Let your glory fill this house. You're his house. You are his house. Oh, fill my house, God. Fill me up. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your great love, God. Worship, prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in tongues, this is the purpose of praying in tongues. If you never knew, and you could study in the Bible, the purpose of the praying in tongues is for you to increase the presence of God in your life. Primary purpose. It is unbelievable. It's like plugging in to a, a light socket. It is unbelievable. You need the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. Get it. Go do it. You can do it all by yourself. You can have someone pray for you. Read the Bible too, right? The Word of God. You encounter His presence. Church, I'm so blessed you're here today. Go host His presence. Like encounter Him. Like just press in. Go for it. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.